this is, this is the part of the series that we're doing um, that is on grief, but this is, this is where we turn the corner. This is where it gets good, right? So I've been dragging you there, and it's a, it's a, long, it's a long slog to grieve, to grieve the loss of anyone, anything in your life. It's long, it's difficult, and it's messy, and I've said this from the beginning. If you think of the stages of grief like steps, that they're going to be clean and you're going to leave one step and go to the next one, you're going to find out that that's not how it works, that it's messy, it's full of twists and turns, and it's more like taking the steps when you get older. You take one up and you go two back. Anyone done that lately? It's messy. And, and so you get to the place, you, you, you bargain, you deny, you go through anger, depression, and you get to this spot where you accept. Now, that doesn't mean you're happy. It doesn't mean you just, wow, this is wonderful. In fact, in some ways, as we talked about acceptance last week, it's the bottom. It's you hit bottom, you stop trying to grasp like you're trying to hold on to something that was. Who's ever tried to hold on to something that was? And it was leaving, it was dying, it was going away. It was an old job, it was an old boyfriend, it was an old haircut. Some of you have been holding on to a whole haircut. All right, whatever it is, you've been holding on to it forever. And it's time to, it's over. That's over. And someday you wake up to it. Doesn't mean you're happy about it, but you wake up. I'm not going to change this. This is gone. This job, this relationship, this, it's over. And this is, acceptance is when you hit bottom. Acceptance is the, the belly of the whale in Jonah's story. Acceptance is, I can't change this. Acceptance is, I guess I'm not in charge after all. There's a tough one. Please tell me you're somewhere near understanding that at this point in your life. I don't expect you to vote if you're under 20, but if you're over 35, I'm not in charge? Well, that's a shock. Charlie thinks he's in charge. She's two. She completely believes she's in charge. And when you're 12, somehow you double down. And when you're, and when you're 20, it just starts, just things start to happen. And you go, well, well, that seems weird because my mom always did my laundry. In other words, just life starts changing and you start to realize, wait a minute, I'm not in charge. And I'm not going to get everything the way that I, that I want to have it. And you hit bottom, and man, bottom is a great place to be because it's all up from there. It's all up from there. You, you have to know this. this I mean, the, the, the team called me this week, and they always say, what, what scriptures are you going to use? And I'm like, I don't know. Quit bugging me. The whole Bible. This is, we're, we're talking about, I, I didn't say that exactly, but sort of, but... <laughs> This, it's hope. Today's message is hope. It's hope. That's the whole story. That's the whole Bible. And, and not only is it the whole Bible, it's the whole pattern. What Jesus did, I don't know if you know this or not, Jesus just showed us how it all works. It's not just that he did something amazing and unique. He showed, this is how it works. There's death and resurrection. Oh, Oh, 
It's not hopeless. It's laced with hope. There is no death that's beyond you. There is no loss that God can't redeem. So we started by talking about how Jesus has a conversation with Peter. I'm going to die. They're going to, they're going to take me. I'm going to be crucified. Peter loses his mind. And he doesn't even hear. Or it goes in one ear and out the other. You ever had this happen before? By the way, some of you have been going to church for a long time. Put your hand up if you've gone to church for over 10 years. You need to get a life. I mean, you need to get something going. No, but I mean, it's in one ear, and then it's what? Some of you have been going to church for over 20 years. I'm looking at somebody over in this direction who's been going to church for over 70 years. Guarantee it. Yeah, there we go. Look at this. Over more than 80 years? More than 80 years? Yes. A lot more. (laughs) Here's what happens sometimes. You just hear it. It goes in one ear and out the other. But here's this big story. Jesus says it to Peter. Peter misses it. And I'm going to rise again. I'm going to rise again. But when you think about that, that's going to be a little costly in the middle. It's going to sting in the middle. That's an even better story. The whole story... The entire story is death and resurrection. Death and resurrection. That's the whole story. What text would I use? Well, you could use the, the ravens in the sky or the rainbows in the cloud. Story of Noah. You can use the story of Jonah. You could, it's beginning to end. The whole story is death and resurrection. There's no situation that's without hope. Oftentimes when I share in funerals, I read 1 Thessalonians to people because it says, brothers and sisters, I don't want you to be ignorant about those that have fallen asleep. A metaphor for those that have died. Don't be ignorant about those that have fallen asleep. Beautiful metaphor. Why? Because when you put someone to sleep, you know that in the morning they're going to wake up. I mean, there's a little sadness. You say a prayer and you give them a hug and a kiss and you say, I'll see you in the morning. Whatever we've lost, it's just good night. I'll see you in the morning. I don't want you to be ignorant about those who've fallen asleep or grieve like those that have no hope. So here's the key. Some people deny the grieving, and they tell you, just get over it. Not helpful. Not helpful. We talked about the story of Job. He loses everything, his job, his family, his health. He loses his income. He loses his reputation. He loses everything. And he's sitting on a pile of ashes, scraping pus out of his pores with pottery. He's at the bottom. There's always hope. There's always hope. Do you know the end of Job? Because the beginning of Job talks about how blessed his life was, how wonderful it counted his family members, it counted his camels, it counted everything. Who was into counting in the early days of life? Liar. But who was into counting? You counted your hair, you counted your muscles, you counted your checkbook, you counted your chicks, you counted... You were farmers, of course. You counted everything. Count, count, count. Look what... 
We're all, we all started as a bunch of counters, right? And they counted all of this, Job's life, and then he lost it all. But do you know how it ends? He was twice as blessed in the end as he was in the beginning. How could God do that? Here's the whole problem. You know what our biggest problem is? Lack of imagination. We don't know how God could do it. After I lost this or after this fell apart, or how could God make it better? Eye has not seen and ear has not heard and never has it entered into the mind of man what God has in store for those that love him. But God reveals it by his spirit. You know the beautiful thing about children is they have these crazy imaginations. You can't imagine what God has in store for you. You can't imagine it. It's beyond your wildest and craziest dreams what God has in store for you. You know, I'm just toying with the idea, just toying with the idea of taking Charlie to Disney World to see Cinderella's castle. But you know what? She's got this little castle. It's this big by this big in her bedroom. She thinks that's it. This was given to Hallie like 10 years ago. It's deteriorating. It's literally, I got a little, it's falling apart. There's little particles all over. Every week, every week I pick it up out of her bedroom. Dry rotted. That's all she knows. A dry rotted Walmart version of Cinderella's castle. Because that's all the mind can conceive. Do you know what that's, some of you, what you're praying for? Dry rot. You're just praying like, just duct tape it together, Dad. God says, oh, I want to take you to the mouse house. (laughs) God has so much more for you. And our problem is, is we can't see. You remember the story in, in 2 Kings where, uh, I think it's around chapter 6, and Elisha is there with his servant, and Elisha's kind of been a bad boy. Like, he's a prophet, and he's been kind of, you know, using his gift. And he used his gift to tell the children of Israel where the bad guys were. It was kind of cheating. He would talk to God, you know, God would say this. And after a while, the gig was up, and they're like, this is the guy we got to get, this Elisha. He's, he's ruining everything. And so the enemy f- comes and surrounds Elisha and his servants. And, and so, you know, they wake up, and they get out of the tent one morning, they look up, and, and the servant's like, uh, E-man, come here. And he gets out of his tent. And what is it? He's like, we're in trouble. And he look around, there's just... There's just thousands surrounded by an army of thousands. And Elisha gets up. And when he opens his eyes, he opens both pairs. He doesn't just open his eyes physically like when you wake up. He opens his spiritual eyes, the eyes of his heart. He can see beyond the veil. Remember I talked about the veil last week? That the closer you get to passing through, it becomes thinner. You can ask anyone that's been near that side. They, they will tell you. And if they work in ministry like I do, or maybe you work with the dying uh, in some sort of hospice care or something, they will tell you, oh, yeah, th- th- 
Somehow the veil gets thinner and you can see past it. And Elijah gets up and he says, there's more with us than against us. And he has the eyes of his servant open up and, and then all of a sudden he can see like chariots of fire. It's our lack of seeing. I don't want you to grieve like people who have no hope. So, I'll say it the last time. Respect grieving. Recognize grieving. Go through grieving. Yes, comfort those that are grieving. Don't be like Job's friends and just slough it off and throw Scripture verses at people. Just sit there and sit there with them while they suffer. And then at the right time, When you hit bottom, look up. And there's hope. Let God open your eyes to see what you couldn't see before. There's more with you than against you. You know, people always say to me, and I guess I, 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 I so get it. They go, I don't know how people do it without God. And I mean, I have some guesses. I, I, I think what sometimes people do when they, because in Scripture it talks about without God and without hope in this world. Because if you think about it, when you lose anything, if you don't have God, I guess it's just gone. If you lose something and there is no God, which I understand is an increasingly popular option with the youngsters. There's no God, come on, please. Please with the Santa stuff, Dad. It's increasingly popular. But sometimes what happens is, I get it, it's, it's, it's kind of like, you know, when a fashion comes out. It's, I mean, they're cool for a while, like Uggs. Please don't tell me those are, please don't tell me those are still in. Do you know what happened with Uggs? Do you know why? I mean, I, if you're wearing them, I'm sorry, I don't mean it. I read this, not this is true, but there was like some Hollywood superstar person in their trailer going to the movie set. Do you know this? And they have special shoes, and so they don't want to get them dinged up or anything from their trailer to the movie set. And so they just basically gave them a bunch of muck garbage bags around their feet and mush and to keep them warm. And they carry their shoes to the set. That's UG. I think it stands for ugly. But anyway, the whole world started wearing them because someone saw them on a star wearing them. They go, oh, those are cool. I should be ugly too. <laughs> Why did I start telling that story? Can somebody get me where? Without God, there's no hope, right? It's popular. It's like, do this and do that. But we don't even know where this, where did we come up with this idea of no God? We just saw someone walking from their trailer. Like, I don't think that's as fashionable because I don't think people think it through, just like they didn't think through those shoes. Without God, there isn't hope. There's none. There's no hope for anything because when you lose it, it's over. No God, no hope. But with God, all things are possible. I mean, I get it. I get that God didn't turn out to be like Santa Claus, maybe like you were 
brought up to believe. Like every time you knelt down by your bed, everything that came out of your mouth was going to turn into gold. Come on. Some version of that we got. Or if you oh, never miss church or, you know, whatever. Okay. So maybe your understanding of God has to grow. That's only a good thing. But as I've been saying for so long, you don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Without God, there's no hope. But with God, there's always hope. Always. No matter what, there's hope. With God, all things are possible. Jesus showed us the great pattern. There's death and resurrection. Charlie's favorite movie now, Frosty the Snowman. Old school, from the 60s. Anybody? Oh, come on. Does it, doesn't it warm your heart when you watch from the old school stuff? I mean, man, like, so she wants to watch the old school Frosty. Yes, not this one, that one. YouTube, she's figuring. All right, this one, this one. So we watch it, and of course, she goes through all the emotions every time, you know, then Frosty, you know, Professor Hinkle, you know, throws Frosty in there, and he starts to melt, and she gets all, her lip goes out. She just goes through the whole story. And in comes Santa Claus, because she thinks it's over. She thinks it's hopeless. This is Jonah in the belly of the whale, right? And Santa comes in and goes, oh, there's always hope. He's made from Christmas snow. I got to think you were at least made of Christmas snow, weren't you? Something's melted. Why do we watch these stories? Why? Oh, it's just a coincidence. It's the artwork. It's not the artwork. It's because that story, whether you knew it or not, hit a deep, deep spot in your soul. There's always hope. There's always hope. But it melted and the tears and it's over and frosty. And here comes Santa Claus. Without God, there's no hope. But with God, all things are possible. What you need to think about, what I need to think about when it gets to be the worst is this. When it seems like there's, there's no possible way, you just remember this. God makes a way where there is no way. This is from the beginning to the very end of the story. It's Moses standing in front of the Red Sea, and the water is here, and the enemy is there, and all of a sudden, God just parts the way. The, the depression, the feeling when you're at the bottom has a way of doing something for you. And it ignites faith in you in a new way. Can I just say a couple more things about hope? First, let's revive the language of hope for the Christian community. There's so many people talking about doom and gloom as if 
it's all going to fall apart. I, can't I tell me times people have said, oh, it's so terrible. Oh, it's so terrible. It's, no, this is not our language. Our language is relentless, undying hope. Boy, you may not know how. I don't know when, but I know for sure that great is your faithfulness. God's mercies are new every morning. The sun's going to rise again. There's too many people talking so negatively. And I think sometimes what happens is I think people have borrowed it from the culture around them. And so then they just start to take it on. And by the way, this is, this is what made the early, the early followers so different. They had hope. And you could say, well, but things are so bad in my life or things are so bad out there. But, you know, someone's just telling you that. I'm pretty sure you're not about to be thrown to the lions. Next year, we're going to take a number of you to, to Rome. We're going to follow in the footsteps of the Apostle Paul. You're going to see the Colosseum. They take Christians, they just throw them in there and let wild animals eat them. I mean, could you imagine if they had Twitter back then? It, we need to change the language. The language is hope. Boy, the darker it gets, the more amazing the miracle. Accept this. First of all, there are things in your life you cannot change, that you will never change. You are not in charge. But also accept this. God is in charge. And God has greater dreams and hopes and plans and purpose for you than you could ever think or even imagine. A text? What verse would I use? I don't know. Maybe I'd flip to the end. Revelation 21, where it says, he'll wipe away every tear from their eye. And there will be no more mourning or sorrow or crying or pain. Because the old things will have passed away. But what I know is from the very beginning to the very end, the entire message is hope. Hope that's an anchor for your soul that will hold you when it gets darkest. You hold on to hope. When it's really difficult, look, if it's emotionally ever dark and difficult for you, it's just it's similar to being physically sick. If you've ever been really sick physically, the first thing you, want, you start to not want is not, I don't want a lot of noise. I mean, you don't get severely ill and go, let's just go to a rock concert. You want it quiet. You want it kind of darker. Is this true? It's just, it's instinctual. And emotionally, just think about this. When you get there, you, you just start to close out all the loud noise. You just get this, get to this. And you kind of need some simple things. So I'm going to give you a couple of simple things. With God, all things are possible. With God, all things are possible. Ready? With God, all things are possible. You just say that. Greater is he who is in me than he that is in the world. If God is for me, who could be against me? 
right? You need some stuff down in here. I get, I get that it's unfashionable and outdated and all this stuff in our culture to memorize Scripture, but man, I'll tell you what, it's not a bad idea. It's not a bad idea to line up about 20 of those verses about hope and bury them down in your DNA because they're going to pop up when you need them the most. Jesus tells Peter, I'm going to die, but I'm going to rise again. And Peter couldn't hear it. I just want to end with this. The difference between Jesus and Peter is one had arrived at acceptance and one had not. You can't beat people up for where they are not. This is a big part of this series. I'm not here beating Peter up. Peter just had to get there. He just had to get there. Who's ever been there where you didn't accept it? I just don't accept it. I'm still fighting. I'm still clawing. I'm still mad. I'm still bitter. I'm still emailing people. Come on. Fighting tooth and nail, this blah, 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 blah. If you're criticizing and condemning and blaming and justifying, you just aren't there yet. It's okay. You'll get there. Charlie grabbed the chair this morning, tried to move it to the counter because she wants to climb on the counter, jammed it against her toe and blamed me. (laughs) Anybody been there? She's just not there yet. When you're not there yet, it's just, you just, but when you get there, it's just like, it's, it's, is it about the Jews? Is it about the Romans? Is it about, he goes, no. If you're talking about was the Jewish people that crucified, was it the Romans? Was it the Pharisees? You just aren't there yet. It's not even, does, none of that matters. So you're like, but my boss's boss, I heard one time that he went on vacation in Cancun and he fired somebody from a beach chair. What a moron. It might have been the only five minutes he had in his week. But if that's where you are, you aren't there yet. And we've all been not there yet, so don't, huh? But you get there, it's just like, well, did you hear Pontius Pilate? He's got a place on the sea. Can you imagine Jesus sending stuff like that? He did. He had a really nice pad on the Mediterranean. Not there yet. You got to get all the way to the bottom. I'm not in charge. It's the only thing that'll come out of your mouth. This ain't my show. I'm not in charge. But I still have hope. But I still have hope. rise again. And you can say the words that Jesus said, I will rise again. Hmm? Because you will. No matter how low you've gotten, you'll rise again. Let's stand. We'll have a closing prayer. God, help us to be patient with ourselves. Until we can get there. Maybe for some of us, we, we, the bargaining stage will go for three years. 
but be with us graciously until we get to acceptance. That we're not in charge. And we can accept that we don't get to write our own script. We don't get to write our own story. But we also can accept that you're the God of hope and that you have more in store for us than we could ever ask or think or imagine. God, inject us with hope, I pray in Christ's name. Amen. 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 Happy Sunday, Orchard Grove. God bless you.